When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to the 10-Minute Food Truck Training Podcast. My name is Bill Moore. I'm a food truck business trainer, author of Food Truck 101, Beginner to Winner, and Food Truck 201, Get Off the Truck. This podcast is all about helping you start and grow your food truck business. Have you ever looked at a financial statement and wonder what some of those terms actually mean? Are you afraid to talk to your accountant about it because you don't want to look dumb? Or do you not even have an accountant and you're thinking about hiring one, but you don't know any of the terms that they might be throwing out while you're talking to them? So let's go through some of those terms that an accountant would use and that you should be kind of familiar with in our business. So let's start with accounts payable. That's simple. That's just money you owe somebody else. Now, you might be thinking, well, I'm a cash-only business. And for most vendors, that's true. But as you grow in size, you may have the opportunity to have a distributor like Cisco, for instance, allow you to buy on credit. And all they're wanting you to do is pay your bill off every month. So if you have that distributor that lets you do that, then you owe them money. Even though you got the food today, you owe them money within 30 days. So that's an account payable, and that's tracked on your balance sheet. Now, the opposite of an account payable is an account receivable. And that is something you would get every once in a while when you have a catering, and it might be a big catering gig, or it might be a big corporate gig, where you know you're going to get paid, and because of their internal policies, they want to pay you after the gig has gone through. So they may give you a small deposit so you can buy the food and do the labor, but they pay you the remainder after the event's gone off. So you have money that's owed to you. And it's not that uncommon, especially when you get the huge corporate gigs that are many thousands of dollars. Their internal policies require them to have invoices and pay out in checks and that kind of thing. Cost of goods sold. It's often abbreviated as COGS. And you guys know I hate that term because it's not a food term. It's not a food service term. It's not a restaurant term. It's a generic business school term. Somebody learned it when they went to college. Or it's an accountant term. So what that means to us when we're referring to cost of goods sold, it would be the food and the paper that goes into making all of the food you sell to your guest. And it's only the food and the paper. It's not the soaps. It's not the paper towels. It's stuff that you would hand to the guests. That's your cost of goods. Now, in order for you to do this number properly, it takes a little bit more math behind it than just, I spent $10,000 at Cisco this month. That's my food cost. That's not how that works. Because your food cost requires you to physically take an inventory. And then you have to do a little bit of math to show what was actually consumed by your business as far as what you're selling to the customer. The math on that is you have an opening inventory. You take that dollar amount. You're going to add that dollar amount to every invoice you got during the accounting period. Then at the end of that accounting period, you are going to take an ending inventory. So you can get a dollar amount on what's left sitting on your shelves. When you subtract that ending inventory from the opening inventory plus purchases, that gives you what your business actually consumed in food cost and paper costs. That's what you gave to the guest, or at least you hope that's what you gave to the guest. That's what you used. There's probably some that went away, some that may have gotten stolen, some you may have eaten on for your lunch. But that is the grand total of all the food your business used. That is food cost. And generically, in accountant speak, that would be COGS, cost of 
goods sold. The next term is gross profit. And this confuses people because it's really not profit. It's what's left over after removing the cost of goods from your top line sales. So you're removing the food and paper cost and that remaining number is what's referred to as a gross profit. It's not really profit because you're going to use that money to pay all the other expenses, all the labor, all your fixed costs, cleaning supplies, office supplies, R&M, marketing, all of that comes out of that number. So it's not really gross profit, but that's what the accountants call it. So let's talk about net income. And that's a number that you do want to know. And you're going to find this on your profit and loss statement. And some accountants may refer to it as an income statement. So now we're kind of getting confused on what even the pieces of paper are called. And then still others may call it an operating statement. And each of those different names, they're referring to the same thing. It's the same piece of paper. This has a different name. And the number for that net income should be at the very bottom or pretty darn close to the bottom. Now, I want you to understand that may not be spendable cash because it depends on your business structure. Net income refers to the money that your business could be taxed on if you're set up as a corporation. Again, it depends on how your business is structured. Another reason to hire an accountant so you get it structured to your benefit and your financial situation, not based on what somebody tells you to do. Okay, the next term I'm going to talk about is an anachronym, and it's referred to as GAAP, and it would be G-A-A-P, and that stands for Generally Accepted Accounting Principles. The example I gave a couple minutes ago about food costs would be a generally accepted accounting principle or a gap. That's how all restaurants do it. That's how all food businesses do it. Opening inventory plus purchases minus ending inventory leaves the food cost. That's just how it's done. So that makes it a generally accepted accounting principle. And your accountant should operate using those accepted principles. You don't want to find somebody that's doing a little fuzzy math and this is how I do it. No, this is how the accounting community does it. Next is balance sheet, and that just lists all the assets and who the real owner of those assets may be. So you're thinking, well, I pay cash for everything, so that means I own everything. Well, if you go back to the example I gave you when you get big enough to have Cisco or somebody offer you the ability to buy on credit, and then again, pay them off within the month, technically until you pay them off, they still own, Cisco still owns the food that would be sitting on your shelves. Once you pay it, then it becomes yours. So the next thing I'm going to talk about is a journal entry. And that's basically a record of any credit or any debit to any account that's listed within your accounting software or on your general ledger. And that's just an entry. It's a numerical entry. It's either a positive or a negative. And some businesses, uh, some food businesses, big food businesses, will break their food costs into categories. So they'll have journal entries for every one of those categories. They may separate the meat from the sodas and then keep two different accounts running on those particular products. It's not that unusual. For us, since our inventory is relatively small numbers, we just lump all the food together. But as you grow and get bigger and bigger, you may find it makes more sense to track everything individually. So you put all your meat together because meat's super expensive, always has been. Then you put your sodas together because sodas tend to be very expensive, especially if you're buying them for a soda fountain where they are uh, well over $100 a case right now. Next number I'm going to talk about is fixed expenses. And you have heard me say fixed expenses many, many times, especially when I talk about the break-even point. These expenses rarely change, and often they never change. And these expenses are also paid whether you're open, whether you're closed. Now, here's the neat thing about fixed expenses. So as your sales increase, the fixed dollar amount still stays the same. And what does that mean? 
it means that as the sales go up, the percentage of the fixed cost dollars is getting smaller because it's being divided by a bigger number. And that percentage difference ends up being your profit. So, of course, if I'm talking about fixed expenses, then I have to talk about the opposite, which is a variable expense. These are expenses that ride the waves of your sales increases and decreases. Dollar-wise, those expenses only increase those variable expenses only increase when your sales go up and then likewise when you're talking about dollars they decrease when your sales decrease because they're percentage based so if you think about a graph that percentage remains the same as your sales go up so those two lines on a graph would actually be parallel to each other sales go up that percentage remains the same but graphing it it goes up parallel to the sales but if you were to graph the percentage rather than the dollar amount, because again, the dollar amount goes up based as sales go up, you would have a straight line if you graph the, the uh, percentage, because it'll be 26% if that's your total variable cost. It'll be the same all the way across. Even as sales go higher and higher and higher, that percentage is still straight across. So I recommend that you have an accountant or at least have one on a consulting basis if you're not using one full time. So one of the people I talk about in my book is a partner that you really, really need to have on your side. And I understand being a one-person show and wearing all the different hats is all that you can afford to do right now. But think of it this way. How much impact would it make to your sales if you took that time where you're spending doing accounting tasks and did marketing tasks? Don't you think it's most likely possible that you would at least generate enough new sales from spending that time marketing to pay for the accountant? Something to think about. I want you to have an understanding of your own accounting and how your money flows. That's why I went through this little short list of accounting terms. Honestly, you've got to get an accountant. And because you have at least a working knowledge now of some of the terms, you can ask them to further explain those in detail and how they work. So that way you don't have an accountant that ends up siphoning money away from you. Remember, they're the experts in numbers. They're the experts in money. They're the experts in taxes. You are the expert in delivering delicious food to hungry guests. So let the experts each do their best job. Thank you guys so much for listening to the 10-Minute Food Truck Training Podcast. If you're finding all the information helpful to your business, please become a supporter of the podcast. Just hit the support button or follow the link in the description. Every little bit does help keep us going. Join our Facebook group. It's called Food Truck Training. We have a whole bunch of awesome members at all different levels from brand new beginners to decades old veterans. They've all got your back when it comes to helping you with your food truck. And again, thank you for listening. Come back tomorrow because you know i got plenty more to say when it comes to helping you and your food truck business grow.